Broadcasting from a radioactive bunker deep inside the bracket compound, this is Show Spoilers Episode 10, Mr. Robot Season 3, Episode 8. Before we get into things, another exciting episode, uh, let's introduce ourselves. This is Kevin Brackett, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Roger Roper. Hey, Raj. Bonsoir, bonsoir. Bonsoir. I, 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 uh, I feel like... This uh, this episode has me longing for a friend and someone that I can relate to. And um, I, I guess what I'm asking, Kevin, is will you be my friend? Oh, you're going to put me on the spot. Uh, right there. In, in front of the millions and millions of our listeners and ask me that, huh? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Will you go to the movies with me is what I'm asking. <laughs> Absolutely. I will go to the movies anytime with you. Thank you. You know, especially when they're having a Back to the Future marathon, right? Yeah, no joke. I mean, um, I feel like... This movie is following us around. <laughs> I recently discovered the whole M&M's and popcorn thing. And, of course, uh, as you know, we we recently did Back to the Future movies over at uh, Shet the Movies. And uh, Mr. Robot seems to, like, been following me, kind of <laughs> doing a parallel life thing. So I'm, uh, I'm a little weirded out. I'm a little <laughs> – in the past, like, when, when I'm about, like, 25 to 35 pounds lighter, I look – eerily like uh christian slater so yeah that's uh that's my thing an uglier christian like (laughs) christian slater's dim-witted younger cousin from alabama that's (laughs) oh stop catch my drift that's (laughs) that's funny i think uh what you're trying to say is that mr robot is actually time traveling and you from the future and coming back to try to teach you some kind of a valuable life lesson right that's right that's exactly that's exactly what i'm saying like put m&ms in your damn popcorn and hurry up about Uh it yep perfect (laughs) (laughs) well we have a lot to talk about it was another great episode it's funny because they keep throwing these great episodes at us and they keep changing the tone or or keep changing what type of episode it is so they're constantly catching us off guard Uh, none of them seem to be the same but the one thing that is the same is how good they are before we get into that let's tell everyone where they can find us of course you can follow us on twitter at all the spoilers, if you want to uh, send us in some of your theories, some of our corrections, all the things that we're getting wrong, or maybe compliment us on the couple of things we got right, like our excellent pronunciation of Terrell. I believe we've been saying that properly since the first episode. So if you want to give us kudos, uh, we're really great at pronouncing that. But uh, email us at theshowspoilers at gmail.com. Uh, and of course, follow us. We have individual Twitter accounts. You can follow me at Kevin R. Brackett. And Raj, I believe you are Roger underscore Roper. That's correct. Roger underscore Roper on Twitter. And um, yeah, you can email me therogerroper at gmail if you want. But oh, I, and it, I never check it. A personal email account for Raj. I know. I know. But you can also follow us at our other podcasts uh, where we do we review. 80s and 90s movies at Shat the Movies and then also at Shat on TV where we review other television series such as Game of Thrones, Westworld, Taboo, and American Gods. Uh, a lot of a uh, lot of stuff is happening over in American Gods. Showrunners have left and that show's kind of up in the air. Um, but uh, Westworld's about to come back in March, which uh, I'm totally looking forward to. Oh my gosh, that cannot come soon enough. I am so excited for that. But uh, while we've got Mr. Robot here, we're getting to the end of the season, and this is it's the 8th episode of Mr. Robot, but it's our 10th show spoilers episode, so happy 10th episode. Happy I got you a cake. Did you? Oh, thank you. I'll look in the mail for it. (laughs) 
That's right. I send all my cakes air air mail. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the best. Uh, they they really taste fresh and delicious uh, through the mail. Super fresh. <laughs> it's been uh, a lot of fun, and uh, I can't believe we are we're already up to ten episodes. I mean, it seems like we just started, but uh, I know time flies when you're having fun, as they say. That's right. So this episode does some more stuff with time, jumping around different timelines, and as you mentioned earlier, this damn Back to the Future movie keeps following us around and just when i think that we're done with time travel it just it seemed too obvious angela's having a breakdown it must be a red herring and uh something that maybe white rose used to fool her but why do they keep showing us back to the future and 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 uh, referencing time travel movies and and other things like that so do you want my answer or do you do you is this just a rhetorical question no i i would like to hear your answer i mean we can get into things as we go through the episode but just if you have a general idea of why they're hitting us over the head with specifically back to the future i would love to know i i i don't know (laughs) (laughs) oh i'm glad i asked yeah no i you know if i had to guess i'd have to say that you know the, the the back to the future movies were predicated on the on the ability to change your situation, um, change your future, change your past, and I believe it's not just Back to the Future Two, but it's also the Back to the Future cartoon. And so, every everything that Marty McFly and, and Doc Brown did affected their future selves or their past selves. So. I, I think that has uh, an overarching theme, and I think that's a theme for this season. Um, and of course, you know, skipping ahead to the end, you obviously see Elliot looking at the way to put the pieces back together. So, I, you know, it's got to be something. It's got to be the butterfly effect. It's got to be possibly time travel. I don't know, but it, it certainly has to do with something putting, writing the wrongs of the past to affect your future. I think that's, I think that's what they're going for. What if, and this is just, I'm just off the top of my head. What if Elliot has done all this before? And this is like his 20th time trying to do this. So, so he's Neo from the matrix is what you're saying. (laughs) Something like that. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking what if he keeps trying over and over again? Oh, okay. So one of my favorite movies of all time is the time machine. I actually really like the original, but I also like the Guy Pierce remake. I think they're both excellent films uh, and based off of a novel obviously which is which is just excellent so if you watch in in uh for instance in the guy pierce film he keeps trying over and over again to save his his wife and every single time he does something she dies in a different way and so that time travel theory is based on the fact that you cannot change the future or some kind of a destiny so he can't marty mcfly it he can't go and change this and change something else no matter what happens in the end the result is the same Sure. And, and, sure. So, and so I think of something like that, where that's the situation where what if Elliot keeps going back? Now, of course, they're referencing back to the future. So I don't know if that rule would apply. But, you know, it would be interesting if he had been here before. And if we did find out something like that, if they were planting little seeds and we went back and watched and we're like, oh, my gosh, there he is in the background looking out a window or something. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be you know, I, because we're not seeing Guy Pierce over time travel movies outside of back to the future i I think that's a bit of a stretch but uh 
Yeah, no, I, I don't think that's going to happen. No, I don't think so either. I just, I no. would, it would be. I tried to, I tried to yes and you there, but I, <laughs> I apologize. No, 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 no. I totally, I, I don't think that's happening either. But man, that would be, that would be the twist I wouldn't see coming except for this one second that maybe they're in some kind of a loop, some kind of a, a never ending type of thing. But, uh, let's go to the beginning of this episode. So Elliot and his dad are going to the movies. We are led to believe that this is the real dad. This is, Edward Alderson taking his son to the movies, teaching him the best way to make popcorn, like Raj already mentioned, dumping the M&Ms in there, shaking them up. You got to evenly distribute them, all the good it's stuff. A little, it's a little salty and sweet snack. Yeah, exactly. Sam Esmail is giving us a very specific timeline here because we know that the movie Shallow Grave and Jerky Boys came out around the same time. They are there to see Shallow Grave, but uh, when Elliot seems upset, Edward, his dad, guesses, oh, maybe it's the movie they're seeing. We can go check out Jerky Boys. That's not why he's upset, but they, you know, they are, they're showing us these two movies and that puts the date around February 10th. That's when Shallow Grave was released in theaters. So it's sometime within, you know, within the week of February 10th. And we know that Elliot's father dies February 28th. So there's a very direct correlation there. We see at the end of this scene that his dad passes out on the ground of the theater, and we know his dad's going to die within a week or two, right? So these are the last moments he's having with his father, and they're not very happy memories, I, I would say. Do you think that the the movie not only serves as a date and time, right, to, to show us where we're at, but also to show that uh, his father is will be dying and placed into a shallow grave? Yeah, I think that I think there could <laughs> that's interesting. I think that there could be a little bit of a foreshadowing there. That's interesting because or or is it saying maybe not his father but Mr. Robot who looks like his right. father or going with the time travel thing, maybe it really is his father in the past has changed or the future has changed or whatnot. So your guess is as good as mine, but all good guesses at this point. Really interesting reaction by Elliot, though. So we found out that Elliot is mad at his father because he basically says that he won't admit that he's sick. He's coughing in this movie theater. Elliot is is mad that he's lying about being sick. And when he does end up passing out on the ground of this theater, Elliot picks up the Mr. Robot jacket and then goes to the theater to, to watch this movie by himself. Yeah, see, this is the reason I don't want kids is because I'm pretty certain that's how my kid would react to me also passing out uh, on the on the ground in a public space. Um, But I mean, is, is this is this Elliot just turning off his emotions? Is he is he also mad not only because his father is sick, but we see Elliot with a cast. So how soon after uh, do do we imagine that this is after he had been pushed out the window by his father or, or fallen out the window? Yeah, so this definitely lines up shortly sometime after the whole window incident. Now, the question is... So I've been doing a little bit of reading online to try to understand this a little better, and some people are wondering if it really was Edward Alderson that pushed his son out the window, or was it Mr. Robot that pushed his son out the window? Because it's it's just the the whole thing is not lining up necessarily with the psychiatrist. So when he talks to Krista, remember he thinks he told the story, but she's never heard the story. 
he never talks to his sister or Angela about the window incident. It just doesn't seem to specifically, he never talks to them specifically, or do we have any back and forth about Elliot's real father ever doing it? I mean, it doesn't mean that it for sure hasn't happened, but still, we're not seeing those clues, and there is something weird going on with the Krista conversation and, and all that. So has Elliot already made up the Mr. Robot character before this? I'm guessing he has, uh, because I don't think that he just, you know, his dad died. I don't think that he just invented Mr. Robot at that moment, but he could have been created shortly before that, even around the window incident. So, but, but he, but he, but he knows his father is sick. Yes, he does. So is he, is he using this as a coping mechanism? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what I gathered from it just because that, that is why he created Mr. Robot was not to have to deal with his emotions. So that's why I'm thinking he already has this character. Uh, I don't think we're seeing the birth of Mr. Robot, but we are seeing how Elliot is already used to dealing with it at, and at a very young age. I mean, his father isn't even dead yet. So we've, we've seen Mr. Robot at this point coming as uh, Elliot as as a an adult and and we've been seeing it for a while but this is I think to show us that this has been going on for a very long time I mean this is the youngest we've ever seen uh, an Elliot and Mr. Robot interaction yeah no I I would have to agree with you on that especially uh, you know now that the cards are kind of lining you know we're, we're starting to uh, see more and more clues come up that I don't think it was the real Edward that that pushed out the window. So yeah, I think it was. I I, th- I think it was his uh, Elliot's coping mechanism or uh, bipolar disorder that's uh, approaching, um, and we're starting to see kind of the uh, genesis of this. Yeah, I'm 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 thinking the same thing as well. So uh, in the movie theater, uh, he's talking to who I'm guessing is Mister Robot because there's no one around the theater. But he says, you know, be quiet. The movie's about to start. And then uh, I thought it was really interesting. We've talked about these title cards uh, in the, uh-huh. the opening of these episodes all season. And this was another one I did not see coming. They're they're saying, you know, go to the concession stand, get your gift cards, all that good stuff. The movie's about to start. And then we see Mr. Robot come up on the movie screen. I thought that was fantastic. It is uh, more and more I'm watching Mr. Robot. Similar in the way that I watched The Simpsons, I'm just watching it for the couch gag. Right. I'm watching it for the intros, uh, th- the brilliance of this television. So, I mean, I used to go to the theaters and do like uh, the put your hands up and, and kind of go down on the roller coaster. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was AMC uh, was the yeah. one that had the, the roller coaster, right? Yeah. Was it AMC or was it? Yeah, it was AMC. Uh, you anyway. know, so what I'm wondering though, now these, we've had a lot of clever things, but this is the most meta opening that I can ever remember seeing in this show. And it's interesting that we're seeing so much, uh, so much about Back to the Future, uh, not only in this episode, but we've seen the other little hints here and there. But there's obviously a lot of influence from other time travel shows or movies. And specifically, we're talking about Back to the Future, going to the theater, there's a marathon later on in this episode uh and the episode starts in a very meta way as in elliot's sitting there watching the screen and then we see on the screen come up mr robot so do you think that we should read any more into that or is that just a cute title card and doesn't mean anything else i think it's just a cute title card uh um and 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 a way for buzzfeed uh, to to create a you know you're a 90s kid when (laughs) And then they show t- top ten movie trailer 
theater openings uh, <laughs> okay. based on Mr. Robot, right? <laughs> Only 90 kids will remember this. <laughs> Fantastic. Excellent. Excellent. Well, moving on then, uh, we see Elliot go back to his apartment. He's looking at this broken mirror that he's had for for quite some time. Uh, We see that there is a new medicine cabinet waiting for him in the box. So that may or may not come into play later. And uh, he's reading online about the, what we discovered in in the uh, previous episodes about Trenton and Mobley. There's articles all over the internet about, uh, F Society and their connection with these two, the Iranian connection, and they're painted as terrorists. Everyone is believing that. The whole internet is talking about it. And then also, I this I think maybe answers our question from last episode, but another article he goes to afterwards is about Red Wheelbarrow, and it, it it's hard because you can't see the entire article. They only zoomed in to a certain section. But the quote that I pulled from it was, Red Wheelbarrow was an F Society front. So I'm thinking that Red Wheelbarrow is closed after this. I, is that your... Yeah, I mean, this is why you can't trust Wikipedia, right? Because everyone can edit it, and that's what it looks like he's looking at. But it, I think it also shows... Uh, where I, I caught something that um, the old five nine or the old theater or not theater arcade that they used the F society used was also linked to the five nine event. Um, that was an article that he was reading there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're, you, you see him kind of understanding what, what's being said about his friends. Right. And I think that's what spurs him to then go on and, and start deleting these people. Absolutely. Out of his life. Yeah. And then that's what this entire episode is about. And so we see him as we've seen him do in, in previous episodes and previous seasons, I believe uh, he's deleting data off his computer, specifically folders related to Trenton and Mobley. He burns the data he needs onto a CD. He deletes them off his computer. But I'll tell you what, this guy has the most secure method for deleting files. Not only does he empty the recycle bin, uh, but he uh, pretty much throws his computer into the recycle bin and then microwaves his recycle bin and then, you know, sets that on fire. It's like he does this complete wipe down where he's even burning like microchips, individual yeah. microchips off the board. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> this is I have you ever thrown away like have you ever gotten rid of a computer or, or something like that? Have you have you gone to the same length? <laughs> no, I have never gone to this same length. Uh, yeah. When you get rid of a computer, I always pull the hard drive. So you, you, no matter how old the computer is, and, and tip for the listeners out there who, if they're watching this show, they probably already know. But you pull out your old hard drives because even if you think you've deleted it, if you've reset Windows for our uh, r- fancy rich listeners like Raj out there, you think you've deleted Mac OS X, whatever – you really haven't. All the data is still there on the computer, and until that data is written over, it's it's not actually gone. So your computer will basically delete it from where your computer can go and find it and navigate to it. But until there's actual data written over it, those those bytes are out there sitting there, and there are people with software, pretty cheap software you can get online, and it can scan old hard drives, and they can get all that stuff back. So that's why you see in the show, which is obviously based on a lot of truth, they do their research, they drill holes in hard drives, they microwave them, they smash them up, they destroy them. That's really one of the the best ways to actually make sure you delete your data is to physically destroy where it's stored. But what I thought was really interesting was seeing him pull chips off motherboards and like microwaving them because I'm thinking right. I I mean even with my knowledge of computers which I feel is pretty extensive 
I haven't thought of like those chips actually storing data, you know, like processing chips. Oh yeah. You know, I can, I can understand memory, but I mean, that's even like, you know, Ram random access memory is pretty loose. Like memory goes in there, but then once there's no electricity to it, like it, it's not a permanent storage type of situation. So like, RAM chip shouldn't even be a big deal, but fine, destroy them if you want. But I feel like he was pulling down to the capacitor, you know? He was going and just completely destroying everything. So, you know... Down, I, down, down to the flux capacitor. Ah, but, the very let nice. Let me ask you this. So, is he, so he is burning all these files. Is he encrypting these files onto these hard drives? Well, that's what I don't understand exactly, because he, the thing is, for someone as smart as him, and for someone that does a wipe-down procedure every once in a while, like very regularly, to completely burn down physically every piece of equipment you own and restart... It seems very weird to be burning CDs with the data on them. That's an actual yeah, that's physical the, trace. Yeah, it seems illogical. Yeah, and, but, and, and his way of hiding them is to put them on the ground and just shove them with his foot under a like a bureau. It's not like he's he doesn't have like a fake floorboard. He's not pulling a Walter White and like totally like digging up his bathroom or plastering over the walls with stuff, you know, hiding him. Like he's literally just kind of shoving his foot under this bureau and, and hiding a CD case. And that's even with he knows the FBI is on to him, right? He knows he's being monitored. So it just seems kind of strange. It does. Uh, it doesn't make sense. But me. he must be encrypting them. If someone of his skill level, if he is keeping a record, it must be some insane encryption. Agreed. Would be my guess. So anyway, uh, he's he talks about during during this process where he's burning the data, he talks about deleting files. And that's that's also uh, the, the theme of the episode, and it's also in the title of the episode. And we're going to understand that more when we get to the last scene. But uh, he's talking about deleting unwound files and what happens and deleting things and getting rid of things that you don't want. And at the end of this little montage, he ends up going to a uh, like uh, it's where all the trash is getting dumped. We've seen this since the five nine disaster that people are just like burning, burning their waste, dropping off their garbage bags. And uh, he ends up uh, actually bringing the Mr. Robot jacket that we saw in that flashback and to drop it off to be burnt. And then we don't actually see it be burnt, but it looks like it's getting thrown into a pile or something, and it kind of covers up the camera. Yeah, this was a strange... Because it looked like a a bunch of uh, homeless individuals, like a line of of homeless people just having a bonfire of, of clothing. It didn't make sense to me where this was. But then at the end, some strange van drops all of the stuff back. I don't. I don't get this scene. Well, and- that's so. My question is, uh, we're going to get into this. We're about to get into this whole thing. But my question for you and for the listeners is, does this episode really happen? Is this episode actually happening, or is this in his mind? Which also poses the question: Did he really drop off the jacket, or did he not? How does it find him? It, that seems way too coincidental. You know, I, I, did you have any thoughts during this episode of is any of this stuff actually happening? No, I feel like it's happening. Okay. I feel like this this is actually going on, but a lot of the stuff just seems too coincidental. Yeah, it really does. So, uh, so basically what he's going to do is he's going to Trenton and Mobley's families. 
before that, Darlene comes to talk to him. So she's planting the seed for him that he needs to go talk to Angela. It's been three weeks since the uh, the attacks on the buildings, the 71 buildings. And uh, Darlene tells Elliot how bad Angela's doing. She's having a mental breakdown. And Elliot just comes right out and says it. He says, I don't care. Uh, and uh, Darlene reminds him that whenever he was having his issues, that she was there for him. And he's just like, well, I guess I'm an asshole. So he is completely disowning and and shutting angela out of his life uh for for betraying him and and feeling like she has a major part in the disaster and everything that he was being coerced into doing and so yeah he has this he has this whole uh argument a really heated argument with darlene and uh talking about you know i i was trying to, to take out e-corp and then i was trying to save them but in the end, they, they were destroyed. All these buildings and lives were lost. But hey, they're going to be okay because now they have eCoin and it's going to be this currency that, that uh, the world's adopting. So they're going to be all right, aren't they? And uh, he gets into this really interesting, almost like an alter ego that we haven't really seen Elliot get into uh, before, where he tells, he tells Darlene that he actually wanted this to happen, meaning the attacks on the buildings. And then he says, I liked it, which was really kind of crazy creepy and reminded me of the show breaking bad did you ever watch that i did i, okay. I was a huge fan of uh, breaking bad but we have we've never seen elliot be terrible or or say something like that i i feel like he was putting on a show right uh to to darlene right he was he was showing a side of himself that to make her believe that maybe he was being mr robot but um hmm yeah, I don't. Interesting. I don't, it's, yeah, it did seem out of character. That's what I don't really understand it, because it, it, you know, so Breaking Bad when Walter White is doing all this stuff, and I, I think he's talking to his wife, and it's like he's doing all this crazy stuff, but he ends up as he becomes this Heisenberg character and adopts that. Uh, he starts to become him, and and he talks about he likes all these things he's doing. He doesn't want to stop, and it, it's interesting that we know Elliot wanted to stop all this stuff. And I, I think this is probably just an emotional reaction to feeling so guilty and, and uh, not being able to stop the things. But but he says he liked it. And I just I really couldn't tell what was spurring that or where his mindset was in like that. But it, it definitely freaks Darlene out. Yeah, no, I would agree. Uh, but uh, yeah, so they in the end, he, he just is like he sits down next to her. She's all freaked out. And he says, oh, it will be OK. Like, uh, I, I just want to be alone. You know, so again, he's obviously having a really tough time with everything. He tells her to come by the next day. They're going to smoke some some weed. They're going to watch a, a movie. Uh, I think he says careful massacre. I don't know if that's uh, just like a made up movie title. I mean, they use a lot of real movies in the show, but uh, it's obviously some kind of a Halloween movie movie uh and and she says oh it's not even halloween i'm thinking it's some kind of tradition of theirs and he says when did we start following the rules uh so uh interesting interaction hold on hold on the careful massacre of the bourgeois is a 1984 slasher movie Hmm. um directed by douglas carlton and distributed by i uh, e Corp Home Entertainment. Oh, <laughs> oh, this is, that's the that's the fake movie is, they made. It's the fake movie they made. Okay, okay, right? okay. That's the fake movie that has the F Society mask and all that. Okay, it's like Correct. a it's like a real twenty minute movie that you can go find online. It is. That, it's on YouTube. Okay, I I forgot that was called the Careful Massacre. That that's okay. The careful Massacre of the Bourgeois, where they get the inspiration. Yep. The okay. Thank right. you very much. I I should have known that, but I completely forgot that was the name of it. Uh, but but anyway, so. 
so uh, after he goes, and, and we already talked about him dropping off the uh, the coat and everything to the weird uh, homeless person trash burning session, uh, he goes uh, he goes and he he. Uh, he has to go find some drugs. He he uh, he's uh, low on his supply. Uh, we we found out in the earlier seasons. Obviously, he had this addiction to morphine. He seemed to be getting cleaned up, but everything that's going on is having a pretty bad toll on him. So he goes to see Hard Andy, who uh, <laughs> I, I feel like his name has a double meaning after watching that uh, interaction between him and Elliot. <laughs> yeah, I, and and it's and it's clean. Or I'm sorry, it, it, it's clear that he's not going to buy morphine to sedate himself. To uh, uh, there's no pleasure in it. He he's clearly looking to end his life. Um, he's deleting everything, and and I think he's uh, he's he's ready to end end it all, and he's going to do it through morphine. It felt like a suicide run. That's uh, that's really interesting, and I think maybe I'm a little bit blinded because I'm. You know, I'm thinking like, okay, the, this they can't kill off Elliot, and the show the show has to continue with him, and there's no way that that would even come up. Uh, and it was subtle enough to where I didn't even take it like that. But now that you say that, jeez, uh, you think that that's what he was going to the beach or to Coney Island oh, to do? Without a doubt. Oh, oh, without a doubt. Wow, I just totally right over my head. But uh, yeah, he he asks a hard Andy for the entire bag of morphine, and so uh, this hard hard Andy character is pretty creepy. I think he might be on a list somewhere. Uh, he's uh, not someone that I want to be alone with in a hotel room. But uh, he he gives uh, a yeah. <laughs> gives Elliot more than a pat down, has him stripped down, make sure he's not wearing a wire or anything, and then tells him all the pleasure he could give him like i i think uh i mean elliot was ready to get out of there it was a pretty awkward situation yeah i mean again you got to put yourself in hard andy's shoes right uh or his uh bathrobe um <laughs> certainly in a situation like that and i think that's the whole purpose of having elliot stripped down is is the third option that hard andy came to was this guy's about to off himself and He's like, well, you know what, cute boy like you, I don't understand. Um, but yeah, I think Elliot has obviously crippling depression. Um, certainly, he's been through some shit, and uh, this this was, uh, in his weird way, hard Andy reaching out to him and being like, "Listen, I can uh, let me try and help you." But you know, true true to a, a sketchy drug dealer's uh, motive, yeah, he took the money. I mean, how much? What do you think a bag of morphine like that goes on the streets? I have absolutely no idea, but I'm guessing that it's a lot of money because yeah. I'm guessing that, I mean, morphine is not something like, that's not even like a normal prescription that you would get like, oh, you know, I need some anxiety meds and, and I can go get that with my insurance and get a bottle filled pretty cheap and then someone's going to try to resell those for a few bucks a pill. Like, morphine's some heavy stuff and, and to get an entire bag, I'm guessing it's really hard to get it and to get that much of it. So that has to yeah. be several, several, several thousands dollars would be my so, guess. So so a, a quick Google search, uh, the predictive value of street prices oh. uh, for 30 milligrams of morphine is about $10 a pill. Okay. So so that was probably about a $10,000 bag of, of morphine pills. I mean, that thing was full. Yeah, that was a lot of money. So right. uh, yeah, it, it's definitely, definitely a lot of money. Now, 
I don't know if are they still using cash or is everyone paying with eCoin at this point? Yeah, I don't. Know. I, I don't know what the actual uh, currency, uh, you know, conversion and everything is. But uh, yeah, I I'll tell you right now. I watched the episode twice and did not pick up on the whole him offing himself thing. I thought he was just that depressed. So uh, that shows how dumb I am. And uh, you may as well never listen to me for another one of my crazy time travel theories. No. Uh, no, I think you're fine. Oh, thank you. But anyway, so no, that that really does bring new perspective. Uh, so now he goes on his journey to go talk to the family members of Trenton and Mobley. Uh, the first one he he talks to is Mobley's brother, and Mobley's brother obviously is is very doing well for himself. He lives in a very large, nice looking house. Uh, I believe he works as, as some kind of a tax attorney or or some kind of a law firm. Uh, something to where he makes plenty of money. And uh, Elliot just says, hey, I want to pay my respects. And uh, can you tell me where the funeral is? And his brother's like, yeah, I have no idea. I'm not going to, I am I have want nothing to do with him. Uh, you know, this guy has brought shame on our family. He's working with the Iranians and, and he's, he's making trouble for me and my job. Um, you know, I'm at risk of losing everything because of, of my association with him. And he's basically saying like, I'm not going to pay one penny to bury this guy. Uh, that's that's brought all this hardship onto me and and disrespected our family so uh he basically just says go take a hike and and shuts the door in his face um from this scene not even going to our later interactions with this character um i mean i understand that he'd be upset i totally understand his predicament i also think this guy's a major a-hole is that what you picked up on from this scene without a doubt and i think that's why they they wanted to show the dichotomy of the of the two different families right so you show the you show how the brother is really selfish and you know he's again later on you find out that he's up to no good that elliot had hacked his emails and found out that he's probably doing some shady stuff in his uh, professional life which you know kind of goes to the uh the 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 whole bourgeois you know why they why they go after these kind of people right this is this is he's the kind of guy that elliot doesn't respect you know the fact that his brother would automatically assume all these terrible stuff about his brother right yeah so you know i feel like they needed to show that they needed to show that character but then you also see stuff like i don't want to say you feel bad for the guy but you you look at the stuff that's happened to his house right you see that people are consistently going by probably his neighbors and throwing their trash cans on his yard they're not making life easy for this guy exactly but this but but that's totally not the right reaction uh to have Especially because I would hope that if I was wrongly accused and framed for uh, something like this, that uh, you know my mom or my my siblings wouldn't disown me, um, and they would react maybe in the way that Trenton's family does. Yeah, no, it, it's it's a really good point, uh, and and I like how you explained it earlier, and, and talking about the dichotomy of the the two different families. That there's two different ways you can react to the situation. I mean, two major ways uh, you can act like Mobley's brother and be a huge jerk, and and like you said, he has reasons to be angry. He he is going through a lot of crap because of this but then also you could still say hey this sucks but i know my brother wouldn't do this and i want to get to the bottom of it and that's what we see when we go to trenton's family they are obviously a lot more understanding uh a lot more compassionate they know that their daughter uh that we're talking about the parents that that she would never do something like this and and we we see the little brother muhammad that ends up uh 
being a major part of this episode, and I believe that he knows the exact same thing of his sister. And so the family is really with her, and even though they're being forced to move, as we found out, they're packing up all their belongings, uh, and they're they're having to leave because of this, they still never uh, lose faith that, that she's being framed, that someone else was behind this. Uh, and so obviously a lot nicer situation, a lot nicer family here. Um, uh, and then Elliot, Elliot talks to the dad a bit while he's out packing the belongings. And, and, uh, as Elliot leaves after finding out about them moving, the dad says, thank you. Thank you for saying that she was a good person. And just kind of a nice moment because again, uh, we've seen that previous interaction that was very negative. And then it was nice that someone actually appreciated what Elliot was doing. One question I had that I just kind of random, but uh, why were they packing up all their stuff outside on the front lawn? I didn't really understand that. Mm, that's how moving trucks are in New York City. Uh, you just got to put yourself on the. Uh, no, I um, <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, is that just a way that Elliot can come outside and walk by and talk to them? I guess. Yeah, or, okay. it's a plot device. Okay. It's a, yeah, that's kind of yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, it's not a huge deal, but I'm just like that's kind of weird. Let's move all the stuff outside, then start po- packing our boxes. I don't know. <laughs> so he he leaves there, and then we head to Coney Island, and uh, we see him out on the beach there by the water and all the Ferris wheels and things in the background. Uh, and he pulls out the the bag of pills, and geez, I mean, now that you've you've said it, it seems so obvious, but uh, it looks like he was about to end his life and, and take a handful of these pills when just then his guardian angel Muhammad who is uh, Trenton's little brother uh, that we saw in the moving scene previously walks up and he says that's a lot of pills are you sick and uh, Elliot is just like are you kidding me Um, and this is another one of those moments and what we were talking about earlier that seems way too coincidental to to just be coincidence that you know he's going to this random place i mean he took a journey and took a subway and and went to coney island to to be alone and 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 do this thing and it's like this little brother who we've never seen before followed him all the way there and just before he's about to kill himself i mean i don't know that this is just one of the things that kind of makes me think I mean, I totally believe that Muhammad is a real person. I believe that this really is Trenton's little brother. I feel like this is a manifestation that Elliot has created as kind of a guardian angel uh, to stop him from doing this. Um, I'm not 100% sure of it, but that's kind of where I'm at. I I can see where you're coming with this because of the interactions with Muhammad. um, They're... When it seems that other people are around, people don't see him, right? Yeah, I mean, it, there never really is any direct contact with him. Uh, I will say later on at the movie theater, Elliot asks about him, and someone does reference that he left. So that is the one thing. Uh, but there is no direct contact, as in maybe it, it was someone else. Also, Elliot does imagine having entire conversations with people like Mr. Robot. So I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. He could also imagine asking another random person, you know, did, did this kid leave? Yeah. He, he just took off. I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not completely convinced that, that this, this day out that they have is real, but yeah, I, I, I really want Mohammed to be real because, you know, I, I want Elliot to have a friend, have a friend. 
Well, yeah. or or is he creating himself a little friend? Uh, yeah, it could be. And and we'll get into this more. Uh, there's more clues along the way to for me to think that he's he's made up. That this iteration <laughs> is made up. But uh, w- yeah, we'll see where this goes. So uh, Elliot says, "Okay, come on, we we got to get you home." The, the kid has no idea how to how to get home. Uh, he says he followed Elliot and he doesn't know where to go. So. Elliot starts walking him home and uh, no one's at the house and he he says, I don't have any way to get in. My my parents usually leave me home alone, but I'm locked out. And he asks Elliot to take him to the movies. He said he's never been to a movie before. His dad says it's too expensive. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So. And then this is the whole reason why they, I think they show the, the obviously the, 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 the opening sequence, right? They want to be able to, to show, um, the last major interaction in a similar setting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of uh, Elliot's about to off himself, um, and uh, he's saved by this kid who then takes him to the movies, where he saw his father um, slowly, uh, you know, pass out, or he pass out, and then you know, a few days later pass away. So, I think there was, you know, obviously kind of showing uh, the the similarities between those two events in his life. Yeah. I also think it was really nice because, uh, you know, these were his last moments and they were obviously very negative. He wasn't nice to his father who, uh, maybe, maybe not deserved with the whole window situation. I'm not a hundred percent sure yet, but it seemed like his dad was trying to take him out for a nice time, get him some snacks, take him to see these movies. And, uh, obviously he was, he was not very nice. He wasn't, he wasn't, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things like you regret you're in the moment, you're emotional, but looking back on it, when you grow up, you may, you may, uh, regret doing these things. And I thought it was nice that he was doing kind of the same thing for Muhammad that his dad did for him. And so like, even though those interactions were, were negative back when he was a kid, he still remembered them and, and was trying to be like his father. So it was just nice to see that uh, he makes him the the popcorn M M&M and M solution, which like Muhammad thinks is ridiculous, and then he tries it, and it's amazing. Uh, and I like how I, I can't remember the exact quote, but after Muhammad tries it, because because he's like, oh, that's gross, and Elliot says, yeah, try it. He eats it, and Muhammad goes, that's good. I think I I think Elliot says something like, yeah, no shit, or something like he right. just. Uh, it's just so funny. Elliot's personality cracks me up because he's so he's so dry and it's not even, it's not even like he's trying to be funny, but it's him being him, you know, no one else is Elliot. Like he has his personality and I don't think he's being rude or mean either, but that's just his way where he's like, you know, yeah, I tried to tell you no shit. It's good. Like, you know, and and I just think it's so funny how his interactions with the kid, um, but yeah, they they uh, they get to this theater and they find out that it is the Back to the Future marathon. They're playing all three movies because they're celebrating Back to the Future Day, which just happened a couple of years ago. It's it's the date uh, that uh, when when Marty goes to the future, it's right. O- it's uh, October twenty first. Yep. 2015. Yep, exactly. And so, uh, obviously, it was a big deal. Uh, you know, those movies were from what was that, like 30 years ago now? I mean, those. Jeez, uh, don't remind me. Yeah, uh, you know, but, but so we were looking at the future back then, and it was like that day, as kids, we knew that that day would actually be coming. And I remember thinking a couple of years ago, or, or maybe even like three years ago, like, okay, we got one more year, cars will be flying, and 
you know, the Jaws, uh, Jaws 8 or whatever in 3D will be out, which, you know, some of those predictions were actually pretty, pretty close. They were pretty on. They they were. uh, But anyway, it was a big deal for for nerds like us that grew up uh, watching those movies, knowing that that day was going to come. And so Elliot says that to Muhammad, where he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I waited for this you know growing up my whole life and and here it's finally here uh so so he takes him to see this and and muhammad has this reaction just like kids do nowadays where he's like what th- no this movie looks old uh can't we just go That's see right. the martian <laughs> 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 and uh yeah and, and he's like critics think it's really good uh it's getting really good reviews and elliot's like yeah critics are idiots and you know it's just like so funny it's such a great commentary because so much of that goes on nowadays with 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 kids not appreciating the older movies and with you know we see all these movies now that that critics hate uh you know but they make a billion dollars and people like them so we're separating uh you know we're separating art from entertainment and so i thought it was a really good commentary of the modern movie going dynamic um uh, one of the, one of the things I thought was interesting while they were in line to see this movie, Back to the Future, uh, Elliot tries to explain to Muhammad what Back to the Future is, and he gives his explanation, and then the person in front of him gives his explanation of it, and then the person behind them gives her explanation. Uh, did you read into any of that? Like, like basically, what it comes down to is Elliot was like, the movie is about a guy that has to go go to the past to change the future and i think the guy in front of him says no you can't do that he has to go to the future to change the future and then the 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 other one says something else like i wonder if that is a commentary on us and trying to uh, decide what's going on here what are they really trying to do is time travel at play um what were your thoughts yeah i mean it's interesting right so back to the future one they got to travel to the back uh travel to the past to change their presence, mm-hmm. right? And then they got to travel to the future to stop that from happening, right? But then they got to go back to the future. Anyway, and then in the third one, they just become cowboys. <laughs> so the – yeah, no, I, I thought – you know, obviously everyone has a different point of view, but I do believe that this was, again, foreshadowing of what the overall theme of this season is, which – is ultimately can you change the past can you correct the mistakes that you've made yeah i think it's going to be really interesting because we're, we're getting to the end of the season and i think re-watching these episodes and specifically scenes like this where where it does seem like foreshadowing for for what's to come and and we're trying to predict what does all this mean and and is Elliot going to be able to change his future? Is Angela going to be able to go back? I mean, Angela is trying to do the back to the future thing. And I think that's certainly why they showed us that back to the future cartoon. Uh, It's really what she's been promised by white Rose. And is this episode kind of course correcting by showing us that, but then also saying, Oh no, you can't do that. You have to do it this way. And, and, uh, the, you know, the movie they watch is Back to the Future 2, which I found was interesting because, like you mentioned, Back to the Future 1 is about going to the past. Back to the Future 2 is about going to the future. So is there something there? I, it's interesting. Yep. Yeah, I think, that, you know, and ultimately it could be a situation where you can't change – you can't do a Back to the Future, right? No one can do a Back to the Future. But you can use – your powers of good to maybe change your situation to 
day, which I think is what we see at the end. Yep. Excellent. Uh, I, I can definitely, I, I agree that if we're going to skip the time travel stuff, that is a red herring. Uh, I think that maybe we're just trying to learn some valuable life lessons and, and, uh, do the best we can today without, you know, trying to fix our mistakes. Uh, but, uh, the kid, again, he, he isn't caring too much for this back to the future stuff. He, he wants to see his, uh, you know, he wants to see his CG animated films and his, his, uh, futuristic sci-fi special effects. And so he ends up leaving right in the middle of the movie. Elliot goes out to the lobby. He does ask the guy working at the concession stand, uh, if he has seen a, a little kid and the guy says, yeah, he, he took off, um, you know, is there a chance that there were more little kids running around? There's more movies showing there. Uh, that's the only thing that leads, like, doesn't get me totally on board with, oh, uh, Muhammad was a real person in this scenario because the concession stand guy said a kid left, you know? Uh, yeah, also, it's like, uh, that's the most observant theater <laughs> ticket taker I've ever seen. But also, like, um, and, and maybe this is just a, a comment on today's day and age, but I don't know, man. A, a little, if a guy comes around asking about a kid, I'd be a little sketched out of giving him any kind of information. I'd be like, sir, is that, was that your son? What is, you know, why, why do you want to know where little kids are going? Yeah, especially, I mean, we know Elliot's a good guy, but if someone like Elliot in, in his hoodie, you know, a little anxious comes walking around asking about kids. I'm I'm with you yeah. on that one. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a little bit. But uh, he ends up he ends up uh, as he leaves the theater. Uh, something interesting. Just a little. It seemed like an off-handed comment that uh, Muhammad made was was about going to uh, the mosque to worship and taking off his shoes. And he says that he can do it uh, while he's standing up without tripping and all that. And uh, he leaves the theater and he hears some people that are talking about. Uh, cosplaying as Back to the Future characters, and uh, one of them is uh, Lorraine, and she's taking off her shoes, and so that gives Elliot the clue that that uh, the kid has left to go to the mosque and and you know take off his shoes and do that that whole thing. So he has no idea where to go, but then all of a sudden, and again, this is like coincidence number twelve here, but all of a sudden this completely random Hasidic Jew in a uh, ice cream truck pulls up and, and like is instantly like asking him, you know, Hey, where are you trying to go? And, and he, he asks him, he's looking for a mosque and he says, Oh, are you looking for this one or that one? I've got friends in all of them. And uh, it, it just seems like a very bizarre situation. He's like, Again, it seems like a, a guardian angel type thing with this guy just showing up and, and taking him to where he needs to go. I mean, could, could could really another coincidence like this happen? Yeah, I think so. And yeah. I think this is a great commentary on um, Muslim Jewish relations. Okay. Right. I, I, I think that that's what they were trying to do. So um, I, I, I like that they, you know, they they, they don't. The show saying that, you know, even you can be a Hasidic Jew and have a lot of friends in the Muslim community. It's not always just, um, you know, uh, uh, Israelis versus Palestinians. It's not always, um, you know, everyone hates Muslims, right? right? It's not Trump ban, Trump travel ban, right? The, the groups of individuals can be friendly together. And I really like this. Ep- I really like the fact that they. Um, used uh, this character to deliver him 
to ultimately Muhammad at at the uh, at the mosque. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it is really neat that they did that. And something else this show does is, you know, this show is about so much more than it, it seems on the surface about computers and hacking and and all of that that we thought originally when it started that it was just going to be about. There, there's so much hidden in the meaning with with politics and and when they when we go to White Rose and talking about get you know Trump getting elected as president and and white rose is backing him and then we we talk about the iranian uh relations here and and how they're being blamed for these attacks uh how the dark army is setting them up uh and then obviously we see mobley's brother talking and 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 bad mouthing uh, his brother about being a terrorist and all that and then again uh, with what you're saying with the commentary that uh, things aren't always how they seem it's not just black and white and and these people hate each other and these people get along um you know the show has so much to say when we're not even watching the show's sp- looking for those type of things but it's something that we always get with it and it's such a neat thing that they're able to do in the background and be so impactful Agreed. It's really, really cool. Uh, so uh, another line I really like that uh, the driver of this ice cream truck says, uh, Elliot questions why he's listening to the old War of the Worlds uh, radio show. And he says, you know, and the Hasidic Jew is like, uh, you know, why? Uh, why not listen to it? And Elliot says, well, it's about the end of the world. And obviously the situation that they're dealing with in real life is pretty, you know, end of the world like, and, uh, he says, no, it's not. He says the humans win. So he sees the positives. He's, he's the optimist that sees that in the end things are okay, which also ties into the end of the episode. But, you know, in the end, things are tough and bad things happen all the time, but in the end things are going to be okay. And, and the humans come out on top in this. So, uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting conversation, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And then, you know, the other things that you are seeing, like there's a there's a pretty bad curfew that's going on, right? So things are things are tense. Yeah. And uh, but uh, you know, ultimately, uh, there are people who are eternal optimists, and those are the people you want to surround yourself with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so he gets to the mosque, and uh, he he finds him there, and uh, Elliot obviously is not very happy about him leaving the movie, uh, of course, because uh, Back to the Future Two is a great movie, but also. Uh, he was in charge of this kid, and he wants to make sure that, that he gets him home after all this. And uh, they, they get into kind of a yelling match, and uh, Elliot just is like, you know, I've got stuff to do. I had something with I was supposed to do, which obviously, as I'm understanding now, is to off himself by Coney Island. Uh, but uh, he's very irritated that he's having to babysit and run around and chase this kid. And the kid fires, fires back at him and, and says, I wish you were dead. And Elliot says, so do I. And that was a very tense moment. And, uh, you know, they they end up kind of settling down. And, and Elliot uh, goes and takes off his shoes. And I really like how it was kind of a nice moment. Uh, after he goes to take his shoes off, he's like, when I put these back on, I'm not going to trip. Just referring back to their previous conversation where Muhammad talks about that he could do uh put the shoes on standing up and that Elliot would probably trip if he tried it so uh just a kind of a, a light more lighthearted situation uh yeah but uh they they talk about uh or Muhammad says that it's really interesting how he's the only person in his family who could be president uh that his sister was not born in the states and his parents obviously weren't um but if he were to be president that he would find a way to bring back his sister 
another you know another one of those hopeful uh you know fixing the past and and uh somehow bringing back a family member that's passed away uh and then he said he would make everyone be nice to him and he would make everyone eat pop tarts for dinner uh, so kind of you know that's so, so something that a kid would say <laughs> Yeah, when you're fifth, when you're, you know, I think probably up to the age of fifteen, I only wanted to eat hot pockets and pop tarts. That makes sense. Oh yeah, totally. That is uh, how I felt just up to the age of fifteen. That sounds <laughs> yes, I'm on board with that. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, and and uh, Elliot says, well, you want to be a dictator then, uh, and and uh, Muhammad has no idea what that is, and he says, well, that's like a bad president. Um, so you know, they have a nice little moment there, uh, <laughs> and and he asks, he asks Muhammad, well, where were you born? Uh, and he says, I was born in Trenton. So obviously that's where Trenton's hacker name, her you know, pseudonym came uh-huh. from. So just a nice little moment and insight into nice. that family dynamic. I like it. Uh, so he ends up walking the kid home. Finally, he, uh, you know, they've had some nice moments, so I don't think it's as bad for Elliot as it started off. But he's ready to to drop him off at home, uh, and then Muhammad just pulls out some keys and opens up his front door and. Elliot's just like, are you kidding me? You had keys the entire time. This kid basically got him to take him to the movies and follow him around town and, you know, go to the mosque with him and all this different stuff. And, and it, it was all, it was all unnecessary, but clearly, as we know, it was very necessary for Elliot. And this is another reason why I, I really, it's not just the convenience. It's not just the coincidence of all these things happening and and coming together perfectly, but you know, the house looks pretty abandoned and the fact that the parents still aren't home, I know that they could be off doing other things like you mentioned earlier, but it also kind of makes me feel like he walked by the house. Muhammad isn't really real. He's all in his mind. And then, you know, the house is abandoned because they've moved. They've packed up all their stuff. They're gone. And so that's why the house, why the parents, quote unquote, still aren't home. And so I don't know. That's just my prediction. Um, I feel like it, it was what he needed. It obviously saved his life. Um, but I feel like this Muhammad is kind of a character similar to Mr. Robot that his mind invented for him to to save his life. And, uh, you know, they have some really nice moments, which, I mean, if, if he's real, that's cool. They 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 talk to each other like Muhammad says, hey, can we can I see you again? And, and Elliot says, yes, I'll uh, you know, I'll go and I'll take you to see the Martian. Uh, you know, they have some really nice moments. So if he's real, that's great. I think that'd be neat. But I don't know. I don't think that I don't think at this point in the show, especially with this kid's family leaving and everything, I don't think they're introducing us to another character that's going to be around. So I just kind of have a feeling that he, uh, that the real Muhammad has already moved uh, to his new home. Right. Well, do you think that um, if Trenton's family isn't real, I think they're real. You- I think they're real. I, I think that I think they moved away right before he went to Coney Island. Okay, yeah. so do you, you do think the original interaction was was did in fact happen? He saw but you don't think the he saw that kid, and then 
Okay. That's, you know, he, just like Mr. Robot, obviously, was based on his father, but, you know, Edward Alderson is the basis for Mr. Robot, but they're not the same people with the same personalities. Uh, I think that this kid, he saw this Muhammad character, and he gathered that the family, you know, the, they had a good family, the dad was very compassionate, loved his daughter, like, I just think that... I think that this kid, uh, he made him up, again, because his subconscious knew that's what he needed. But I also think that he got another day and another chance, uh, just like he didn't get with his father, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, be- no, because I, I like it. There were just, I, li- I like Yeah, it. there were so many parallels with the movies, going to the movies and the popcorn thing. And it's like, the last time we saw that, it, it ended very badly. And I feel like he was trying to kind of... It, it, kind of alluding to what you said, not fix the past, but make up for the past, you know, learning right. from the past and not repeating it and making the future better by by doing doing the right thing in the present. So anyway, uh, I, that's my guess. But but anyway, uh, we'll have to wait and see or maybe we'll just never know. And it's going to be one of those things like we'll always have to wonder was was little Muhammad real or was he not? Oh, little Muhammad. <laughs> little Muhammad. Uh, little Mo. <laughs> little Mo. There you go. I, uh, trademark, uh, copyright, show spoilers, uh, 2017. Uh, <laughs> get your Little Mo uh, merchandise, T-shirts, uh, stuffed keychains, all that good stuff. Um, but it, after this scene, uh, we go back to Mobley's brother. Uh, and uh, this is the Elliot. Elliot has a new lease on life. You know, Elliot, this is the Elliot that we saw in season one, episode one. We see him go to the brother and he says that you're going to have a funeral for him. And the brother's like, no, what are you talking about? I'm not spending a penny. Uh, and he says, uh, yeah, you really need to secure your, your corporate email better. Uh, and we find out that uh, the brothers has some shady tax dealings going on. And uh, he also tells him that, oh, uh, you know, thanks for the referral to hard Andy. Uh, I, I went by and visited him and uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that your job uh, and your clients may not want to find out or the IRS about the tax dealings. Uh, and obviously uh, the drug stuff, no one else would like to hear about. So he says, you're going to have this funeral for your brother. It's going to be a good one. You better write a good eulogy. I'll be there in the back listening. And I just thought that was such a badass moment. And so nice to see that Elliot come back. Yeah, it was nice to uh, to see hero Elliot uh, show up. And, you know, the other thing, too, even though this dirtbag brother, even though he has money, he obviously is well-to-do, he, he isn't going to have trouble paying for the funeral or anything, but it even shows how, how nice of a guy Elliot is. He is going to pay for it. He's going to use the, the money that he basically spent all this money we talked about. It's probably tens of thousands of dollars to buy this morphine. He gives the bag of morphine back or to the brother and says, sell it back to hard Andy and, and make the money for the funeral. So yeah, he's the benefactor himself right there. So a uh, very cool move for Elliot. I liked it. I liked how he handled it. Um, cool to see him back, but uh, going to the end of the episode here, he does go to visit Angela, which again, beginning of the episode, we've seen a big change, uh, which was all because of Muhammad and it's, you know, this is really making me feel like it's a wonderful life, right? With the guardian angel, Mm -hmm. he's about to kill himself. I mean, 
this is a direct parallel to it's a wonderful life uh you know about to kill himself the guardian angel teaches him you know not necessarily that he would be missed but about all the other dealings that remind him of of you know how good things can be and family and all that good stuff uh so he ends up uh, completely changing his position on on letting Angela suffer and who cares about her to going to visit her and he ends up telling her a really nice story uh, and it's a really really a cool way that this part of the episode's filmed Elliot's outside of her door talking to her through the door saying you know you know I know you're there hey come come talk to me and she doesn't answer the door but she listens and he just starts talking about their childhood and how uh, they used to play these games where they would close their eyes and wish for things. And they wished for things like kids wish for, bigger bedrooms, uh, faster computers for Elliot, clothes for Angela. Uh, and they both wished that they could drive and they wanted to go on long road trips, eat their Sour Patch Kids, all that great stuff that kids would do. Um, and even though the wishes never came true, they kept doing it, and he realizes that the ending wasn't the best part. It was the wishing that made that game so much fun. And uh, Angela used to say to Elliot, before they opened their eyes playing this game, that no matter what happens, we'll be okay. And uh, that really, I think, is what it all comes down to. With As bad as things seem, as terrible as the future may look, uh, you know, for Angela having to face down uh, the implications of working with the Dark Army and, and all these deaths and Elliot being a part of that, um, you know, and the world going to crap, it's like they're going to be okay. And uh, I thought that was a really nice moment between the two of them. Yeah, you know, and it makes me think to myself: Are all the 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 wishing that you could change the past, the things that Angela went to, the the whole reason she was working um, with White Rose, were these all just childhood wishes for her? And then at the end, like you you can't you have there, there's a point where you have to grow up and you have to stop wishing and you have to start taking action as an adult, and that's what you see Elliot do when he goes over and he confronts. Um, you know the people that he does. Um, he confronts the brother, and then he goes and he and he confronts Angela, right? And then at the end, you see him opening up the the instructions for how to fix the hack. So I think you know possibly sometimes we get blinded by things we wish we could change, but ultimately we can't. We just have we you know there you have to stop wishing and you have to start taking action. Yeah, I like that. I really like that analysis. And the more and more I think about it, and as the season goes on, I really hate to abandon my tinfoil theory. It's it's been a, it's been a long time and a lot of of uh, thinking about it. But it really it would really surprise me at this point if there is some kind of weird time travel sci fi thing. I, I you know it's hard for me to say. I really wanted it to happen just just to predict it, but. In the end, uh, I never really thought that it was plausible for a show like Mr. Robot. We talked about how grounded it is. Um, it didn't seem like it would actually happen, but we just kept thinking more and more. But I really feel like that was that was us in the same shoes as Angela, right? Like, we were Angela. Right. We were thinking time travel could happen, that things could be fixed because, you know, because we want it to and we wished it could because we want these characters to be happy. We want Elliot to change these things that have happened. We want him to have a, a relationship with his father, a good one, and have him not die. We want Angela to, to feel better and snap out of things and, and be with her mother. You know, we want this. We're closing our eyes and we're wishing just like those kids. 
And so I kind of feel like that's what we've been doing this entire season. And now we have to grow up just like they had to grow up. And I'm starting to think, yeah, it's, there's, there's no way they're going to go the time travel route. It's, it's all been to get us to realize, like, live in the present. Don't, don't, uh, you know, regret what you, what you've done and, and wish that you could go back and change things because you can't. Uh, do the right thing, you know, all that stuff we've been talking about. So, um, you know, who knows? It could, they, they always surprise us. Mr. Robot is good mm-hmm. at that. So it's hard to say what will actually happen. But, yeah, it's uh, it's starting to look that way. And uh, you mentioned that note. Uh, before we get there, Elliot's walking home, and you, you were talking about uh, the trash drops, the randomness of people, like, pulling up and throwing trash away. What I took this as, I mean, this is another huge coincidence. If this was real, if he actually ever gave the jacket up in the first place, if this jacket came back to him miraculously, I don't know what's going on here. But what I took it as is we've seen it since 5-9 happened. There's people like throwing trash away on the street and people throwing trash out of cars. So I think what they're leading us to believe is that at this trash disposal site that he dropped the jacket off to, that they... uh you know, they're like, oh, yeah, give us your money. We're going to burn your stuff and take care of it. And I'm guessing that they just, you know, pack it up into a truck and then go dump it on the street somewhere else and, and pocket the cash, right? Yeah, I think that could be a situation. I mean, that's, it, you know, it's it's it, it's Indiana Jones hat returning to him at the at the end of uh, Last Crusade, yeah. right? I mean, you can't have... You can't have Mr. Robot without the Mr. Robot jacket. Right. Now, I think it is funny that he really has the jacket, because what have we been talking about and joking about the last few episodes? <laughs> like, when you asked, you know, he's not going and putting on that jacket, right? Like, it's funny that he actually does have it in his closet. Oh, yeah. And we we never knew that. I mean, when we joked about that, I mean, we did not know about that till this episode. I mean, we've never seen him, to my knowledge, like, I've never seen, like, him interact with the actual physical jacket. And there it is. He actually does have the thing. Um, but yeah, very coincidental and very, uh, or very, uh, destiny like, right? I mean, what if, what if all this time travel stuff, I know that we've been seeing back to the future, but if that is a red herring, maybe it is more like the time machine where no matter what you try to do, like maybe there is this one destiny and, uh, you know, he tries to, to throw away the jacket. It comes back to him. Like it's, 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 it's already you know, predestined to happen. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see here in the next couple episodes. I'm sure we'll get some kind of answer. Uh, but the very last scene of this episode is, uh, he goes to his computer, he sets it up, he goes to micro center, buys all his new uh, parts. Um, I'm guessing micro center. We didn't see it, but, uh, he buys all these different motherboards, hard drives, put them together. He logs into his secure email. Uh, and I have to say kudos to Elliot for, for as busy as he's been, he has a very clean inbox. Yeah, yeah. I w- listen, there are times uh, where I just select all I, and I just delete. Yeah, you know, I'm like, uh, I, 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 we're all searching for that uh, ultimately uh, clean inbox. Um, the only clean inbox I have is uh, the Roger Roper <laughs> at gmail dot com. 
because no one sends me emails. Oh, that would be that is like a dream to to think of opening yeah. your email and not having thousands of emails just in there. Like uh, you know, all the I mean, <clears throat> you know, you get your friends that uh you've invested uh or have made some investments over in the UK or, or in Nigeria. Uh, you know, sure. you've got all the, of course, all your, uh, Black Friday ads and your Christmas uh-huh. sales. And, you know, it's like never anything you really need to read, but somehow you could delete them all and the next day you'd have 10,000 of these things. Like it's, it's crazy. So Elliot has a completely clean inbox except for one email that says, do not delete me. Uh, and so he opens it up and it is, I'm, I'm thinking now, correct me if I'm wrong. So, Either this is this is the email that Trenton was talking about to Mobley. Like, remember when they were in the car, I believe, with Leon, uh, or he was outside the car, but I believe she was like, hey, if something happens to me, I've got this email sent uh, set to send out automatically. So we're either led to believe that this is the email, or is there another email and this is maybe something that she's just sending to Elliot. Like, because this doesn't seem like an emergency email. Like if you're reading this, I'm dead type of thing, right? This is just like a, Hey, I found this thing that they can help us. Like, how do you take that? Yeah. I take this as a situation where, um, it, it, it's, it's a help. It's not a, it's not an emergency. Yeah. So that's interesting because, you know, she says, Trenton said back in that episode to Mobley that, you know, I've got someone that I trust. It's going to go to someone that, that, you know, can do something, whatever she says. It's been a couple episodes now, but, um, I didn't take this as that type of email. So, but it is kind of interesting that it is coming from her. So I think they want us to think that this is it. Uh, but, but anyway, what it says is, uh, if you didn't have a chance to actually read what was on the screen, they showed the whole thing. It says, I may have found a way to undo the hack. I've been investigating Romero. He installed hardware key loggers on all the machines at the arcade sometime before five, nine, the NYPD imaged all of his data after he was murdered. I was able to get the chain of custody document from the NYPD when they prepared to transfer the evidence to the FBI. They couldn't get into the encrypted keylogger containers. If Romero somehow got a hold of the keys or even the seed data and source code for the encryption tools, the answer might be in those keylogger captures, but the FBI probably has those files now. And then there's an attachment on there, uh, the NYPD chain of custody that she refers to in the email. So she's saying that basically because of these keyloggers, she thinks that th- she's able to undo what they did uh, before 5-9. And what I'm thinking that means, I think it's going back to the entire point of this episode when Elliot says when you're deleting things and you uh, he has a quote even right before this where he says, that's the thing about deleting things. It's not always permanent. So right. I'm thinking that that Trenton's theory here is that if she has the key loggers and they know exactly what they did to cause five, nine, that they could reverse engineer it or, or, uh, you know, undelete this data that's been lost, uh, and, and somehow restore all the records. And, and I'm guessing that would be what their, what, what the goal would be to do here is if you can get all the records back and the financial, the loans and the bank information, you know, peace and order could be restored to society. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's returning Marty McFly's photo, right? It's it's making sure that uh, 
his family reappears. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting to to see how this goes down uh, and if this is actually what's going to happen. You know, it just seems like it's crazy because the show society has digressed so far. You've got all these people, like you mentioned earlier, that look to be homeless and they're on the street and we're burning things in the streets and, and there's just chaos and, and things look so dire to me. It, I never even imagined how things could go back to normal, right? Like they're so far gone. I wonder if something like this actually could work at this state. You know, it's, it's a possibility, but do you, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It seems like there's martial law. Uh, you know, you had the 71 buildings, you had a giant terrorist attack, if you just restore everything, I, I think I, I'm with you. I think they're a little too far away. It'll be interesting to see how they write that in. Yeah, I, I'm thinking like it, this could be another situation where it's like you know, right before those 71 buildings went down, you know, it could have been 72, so it was only 71. But you know, let's not celebrate too early. They may end up restoring this data, but White Rose. You got to remember, we haven't seen White Rose really in a couple episodes, but. Uh, she's got this entire world domination plan going on, and I just don't know what they're going to do at this point. If they don't really have time travel, uh, I don't know what they're going to do to stop White Rose and the Dark Army. Yeah, I agree. So we're going to have to leave it up to Dom. Dom's going to have to to crack the case and get rid of Santiago and and turn them all in. Yes, sir. So another great episode. This one was really really neat. It was. It was a quiet episode, which doesn't mean slow. It was quiet, but really good. The interactions, all the all the uh, family and interactions with Muhammad and Elliot having his, uh, you know, it's a wonderful life moment where he realizes that there's work to be done and that, uh, you know, killing himself as I've come to realize because I'm just silly and didn't realize it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that, uh, wouldn't be the best solution and that he's, he's still got people out there that he loves and love him and he still has people out there to help. So that's I right. really, r- really yeah. liked it. Yeah. If, uh, if, if you're suffering, I know the holidays are tough for some people. People get with the, what is it? The winter syndrome, the, the, the gray skies are happening. I know this happens a lot in the Pacific Northwest. I uh, just know that it's, you know, um, there are people out there that, you know, just when you think it's, uh, gonna, you know, it couldn't get any worse. Just look for that silver lining. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think, I think the easiest way to put it is the way that Elliot and Angela put it when they were talking about when they were kids. I, and I think that's what Sam Esmail is really trying to hammer home is no matter what happens, we'll be okay. That's right. So, so great episode. Uh, As as usual, uh, we've been very lucky to get such a strong season three from this show. Uh, Always looking forward to the next one. Uh, If you would like to talk to us in between episodes, uh, I know that uh, we've got another episode. You're listening to this, and there's probably going to be another episode uh, this evening as this is airing. Uh, So if you want to talk to us uh, before then or or even at your reactions to the next episode, you can always tweet at us. Uh, We are at all the spoilers on twitter you can email us like we mentioned before the show spoilers at gmail.com 
You can tweet at us on our personal handles. I'm at Kevin R. Brackett. Raj is at Roger underscore Roper. And then, of course, we do a couple of other shows. So you can listen to Real Spoilers, where we spoil the uh, the biggest movie of the week, usually. Uh, we sprinkle in some holiday episodes, some specialty episodes in there. But uh, recently, we've done some films like Justice League, Coco, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, we run the gamut. It's, it's not a certain genre or a certain uh, topic of the week, necessarily. We really just do whatever's the biggest movie or maybe the uh, the most controversial movie of the week. Uh, but it, it's always very relevant to either the week's release or the holiday or the time of year going on. So check out that show if you haven't listened to it yet. And uh, Raj, where can they listen to you? They can listen to me on Shat the Movies, where we review 80s and 90s movies that you vote for. You can uh, vote on the movies uh, at shatthemovies.com. We are reviewing uh, – we, we just reviewed seven um, before that, I think we did uh, – God, what was the one we – oh, uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles because it was Thanksgiving. Uh, upcoming, we have uh, – we're recording Robin Hood, uh, Prince of Thieves, that Kevin Costner uh, fantastic movie. I can't believe you and, didn't go uh, with Men in Tights. Yeah, I know. I know. It didn't win. Um, and then uh, Empire Strikes Back uh, to, to get ready for the new Star Wars. Um, so we're excited about that. But you can uh, check out all the stuff, uh, uh, all of our um, movies and and all of our voting at ShatTheMovies.com and subscribe there. Uh, We also, uh, again, are getting ready for the Westworld uh, season at Shat on TV as well. Um, By the way, how was the Three Billboards movie? It's really good. Uh, Yeah, I hear it's Yeah, really, really strong uh, cast. Really, I mean, this is uh, Martin McDonough, which, you know, I won't go in too far. You can go listen to the whole Real Spoilers. We actually just posted it. But uh, he's the one that did In Bruges. He did Seven Psychopaths. Ah, Uh, yeah. He has a very, I mean, he he has a very uh, recognizable style, similar to, like, Quentin Tarantino and his style. McDonough has his, his own thing going on. It's really clever really fast-paced type of banter uh it's it's a lot of really fun writing i mean it's it's rated r for a reason uh and that reason is language so you know if you're if you're uh one that doesn't like to hear a lot of profanity this isn't the movie for you but if you don't mind it uh it's hilarious it's it's so witty it's so clever and fantastic performances francis mcdormand and uh, woody harrelson sam rockwell they are firing on all cylinders. It's it's hilarious. So go listen to that podcast, but uh, I would say go see the movie first. Uh, it's one that I think last week, even though it was under 700 theaters, it made like $4 million. So it's making wow. a ton of money, and it's going to be one of those you're going to keep hearing around award season. So do yourself a favor and uh, join the conversation uh, by going to see it. It's It's a lot of fun. Uh, very cool. I, I like to, you know, I like go out and support independent movies. Go out and support, um, you know, uh, things other than superhero movies. Yeah. Go go, go see uh, movies like Disaster Artist, which I'm really looking forward to seeing. Oh, yeah. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm glad that you guys uh, do the same thing over at Real Spoilers, which by the way is a fantastic podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Ah, oh, thank you, sir. Yeah, I, I uh, wholeheartedly agree, and you know, I, I know that uh, we don't like to get on the soapbox too often, uh, but uh, when it's topics that we feel are really important, like net neutrality, uh, which oh yeah, support net neutrality, please. Yes, call your congressman. Absolutely, and then uh, just slightly less important, you know, it's right up there with the whole net neutrality and our freedoms and everything. But uh, I agree. 
agree with supporting the uh, art house cinema and these original properties because we're big movie buffs, obviously, uh, but we want to keep seeing original movies. And the thing is that studios, the reason why all we see is remakes uh, of old things uh, and we aren't seeing original ideas is because people don't pay to go see these original properties. You know, a superhero movie makes a billion dollars, and then an original movie makes $2 million, and the studio goes, well, if I'm going to put my money into something, it's going to be something that will make us a billion dollars. And, you know, that's that's why we're lacking the original properties. So if you want to see original things and you want to stop complaining about why do they just remake things, go to your art house theater and start seeing those movies. Yeah, and usually our house theaters are just cool. They're 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 neat. They're they're a, they're a fun departure from your megaplexes. They are. It's uh, and, it, you know, and so. you get a lot less uh, kids kicking the back of your seat too, which is always nice. That's right. right? That's the real. That's right. The, and at, at an art house cinema, no one will question you when you turn to the empty seat next to you <laughs> and you tell them to to be quiet. <laughs> They'll be like, "Oh, that that person. Oh, that that guy, must be yeah. a, a like a interpretive yeah. uh, art piece that they're doing. That exactly. yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> well, anyway, I want to hang out with that guy. <laughs> absolutely. Well, Raj, it has been a pleasure as always. Thank you to all the listeners for listening. We appreciate it. Tell a friend. Tell your imaginary friend. We don't care. Just tell people about the show and tune in next week. And until then, bonsoir. Bonsoir. Thank you.